Okay. Show me. Sometimes that is better. Welcome to the Prairie Land Paranormal Podcast. Be sure you never, ever scream. A podcast where we will explore the dark corners of our world, the weird, the creepy, and the strange. There are no accidents, no coincidences. I am your host, Eric Carrier. The Boogeyman is real. And they must be coming night. My co-host is Jessica Carrier. Thank you for joining us for a journey into the unknown. Be one of us. Let's get started with today's show. Hey guys, welcome to the show. This is the Prairie Land Paranormal Podcast and I am your host, Eric Carrier. I am here as always with my wife and my co-host, Jessica. Jessica, anything new going on? Not much. The weather's still cold and rainy. Well, that's definitely the norm for this time of year. Yes, but I'm ready for some sun. I'm definitely ready for some sun, but I'm not looking forward to having to start mowing again. You know, I actually like mowing, so I'm looking forward to that. Good. You can do it. (laughs) I will. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what do we have in store for our listeners today? Well, today we're going to continue the theme from our last show on remote viewing. And this time we're going to discuss astral projection. So basically, instead of psychically viewing something remotely, we're going to be discussing spiritually leaving one's body in order to view things in the astral plane. Is that correct? Pretty much. So Jess, can we safely say that the astral plane is the spirit world? Yes, some people call it that. Well, that seems like an interesting topic. But before we can do that, we have to take a minute and do some self-promotion. Don't worry, we will keep it short and simple. Basically, the spiel is this. Thanks for listening. Please share the show. Check out our website if you're interested in merch or leaving a tip. Leave a review and subscribe to our social media channels. We have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. And love to hang out and meet you guys there. Yeah, it turns out you guys are pretty awesome. (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) Jess, is there anything else? Nope. Okay, let's get started with today's show. All right, Jess, so let's start our discussion with just kind of maybe a general definition of what astral projection is. Astral projection is kind of hard to define because it's been known as many different things over the centuries. It's been known as your dream body, your astral body, your energy body. Buddhists call it light body. Taoists called it the diamond body. Egyptians called it the Ka. It's even been called the subtle body or the body of bliss. And in Christianity, sometimes we refer to it as seeing visions or seeing different heavens. Yeah, I find that part actually quite interesting because it seems like a lot of the old prophets would leave comments in their writings, such as whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. Yeah, Paul talked about that in Corinthians. It's interesting because you see that this is actually a real thing that was written about in the Bible. Yeah, that actual reference from Paul is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1-3. through Here's a condensed version of that. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth, such a one caught up to the third heaven. 
So it sounds like no matter what you call it, and no matter what religion you put to it, it sounds like this is simply leaving your physical body and viewing things in the spiritual world. Yes, and it's interesting because in this state, you can go from not only different places, but different times. In its most generic form, some people call this an out-of-body experience. Jess, did you know that the Vatican is rumored to have something called a chronovisor that allows them to view both past and future events? I did not know that. So I don't know how that falls into astral projection or remote viewing, but I found that pretty cool when I read about that recently. I don't know if there's enough information on that to do a full show, but uh, it would be kind of cool to explore a little bit more. That is interesting. So in our last episode, we went into detail about remote viewing. How is remote viewing different from astral projection? Well, with remote viewing, a person's spirit or consciousness doesn't actually leave their body, but can perceive information in another location. Whereas with astral projection, your spirit leaves your body and travels to that location, and the spirit can actually interact with the environment. So there is a pretty good analogy that you shared with me, Jess, that talks about the difference between remote viewing and astral projection. Why don't you share that with our audience as well? Yes, with remote viewing, the viewer is a spectator at a movie, watching it, sitting in the seats. Whereas with astral projection, the person who is astral projecting is actually participating in the movie, taking a leading role in it. Yeah, I like that analogy because, you know, you can sit back and relax and enjoy a movie. Mm -hmm. and just kind of view it and watch it. But uh, it would also be kind of cool to interact with it, right? Mm -hmm. To be a part of it, and things that you say and do actually change what happens around you. So it sounds like based upon that kind of definition that remote viewers do not physically or spiritually leave their bodies. They're psychically tuning in to frequencies that are allowing them to see these things, whereas an astral projector is physically leaving their body. Is that correct? Yes, their spirit actually leaves their body and goes to that location instead of staying in the same place and viewing it in real time. So it sounds like like remote viewing, astral projectors also need to kind of be able to get into a very deep state of mind. Yes, both take meditation and concentration and opening themselves up to the idea that there's a spiritual world around them kind of opening your third eyes, as people would say. Now, you said that a remote viewer can actually physically interact with the environment. How does that work? Well, some astral projectors have been able to insert themselves into other people's dreams or interact with other beings on the astral plane. Now, what kind of beings are we talking about? It seems like there's a large variety of beings. There are some people who talk about really enlightened experiences where they see people who make them feel good and explain things that they never understood before. And then there's some that are purely frightening, a terrifying being that scares them. So it seems like just here on, like here on Earth, there are beings that are good and beings that are not good. I seem to remember reading one account that a person in the astral plane was communicating with What they felt to be was an alien. Is that a common experience for astral projectors as well? I don't know how common or uncommon it is, but I have heard of this before. So given the ability to kind of maybe interact with both good and 
dark beings in this plane? Is it safe? Well, that's kind of a loaded question. Some people think it's safe as long as you have your spirit guides around you. And then some people think it's absolutely not safe, very dangerous. So it just depends on who you are and your perspective and what you believe. Are you aware if there are any limits to what you can explore in the astral plane and what you can't explore in the astral plane? I'd like to say that it's pretty much limitless. There are people who have talked about even viewing different times. But there are also some people who say that there are certain places that are shielded by some kind of astral shield that you can't actually go in and view. Things like Area 51 or the Pentagon. So here is a astral projection experience that one viewer shared on TikTok. And this was an attempt by this astral projector to attempt to enter Area 51. And this is what she says happened. So basically I woke up in the morning and then decided I wanted to project that morning and see if I can visit Area 51. I'm a big believer that we are not alone in this universe. I was curious to see what they have in Area 51. Once my astral body popped out of my physical body and I ended up in my room, I thought about going to Area 51. I ended up in this desert and was looking at everything from a bird's eye view. As I try to get closer to Area 51, I am suddenly bounced back by an invisible force. The second time I projected, the same thing happened, except once I got to that force field, I was met by a guard and it pushed me back very violently. And as I was being snapped back into my body, I could feel a very sharp pain in my stomach area as if I was being stabbed. Now, I thought that story was pretty cool. I also found it interesting that certain places may be blocked to astral projection. Now, I've heard that the White House is another location that may be blocked to astral projection. There was at least one other experience that I read that suggested that the moon is also blocked and cannot be traveled to astrally. If you could confirm or deny that in the comments, that would be amazing. Jess, are there any indicators to suggest whether astral projection is harder than or equally as hard as remote viewing? Now, most people say that remote viewing is easier than astral projection. How is that? Well, when it comes to astral projection, most people usually have many blocks on their mind that makes it hard for them to experience this. Some blocks could be leaving your body. That's just kind of a weird sensation. It seems wrong. So most people will block that from their consciousness as an ability. Well, I can understand that because, quite frankly, we think of our spirits leaving our body as death, right? Yes. So the idea that we could leave it and still be alive just doesn't seem real. We have to convince ourselves that it's safe. But is it safe? <laughs> a lot of people say so. Um, because we don't know for sure, it can be a difficult process to allow ourselves to leave our body. Now, I don't know if we can put the it's safe to try it sticker on this, <laughs> but no one that I know of has ever died from it. Yeah, but then how would you know? Exactly. If your ties are cut in the astral plane, you're not exactly going to be able to come back and say, hey, I survived this. <laughs>
But there are a lot of people who seem to do this regularly on purpose without any consequences. And there are also people who do this by accident without any consequences. But ultimately, I think what makes astral projection harder than remote viewing is that we have to convince ourselves that it's okay for our spirit to leave our body. I'm not convinced. (laughs) Just probably why you won't experience it. Now, I have had a lot of sleep paralysis type experiences, but I can honestly say I've never had an astral projection type experience that I am aware of. I've had a few, I think, but I'm not completely sure. (laughs) Anything you want to share? Well, when I was a little kid, uh, maybe four, five years old, I remember laying down on the floor and feeling like I was floating in the air and turning around and seeing things. And I used to think that was really fun to do, so I would try to do it all the time. So in my mind, I think that that's probably what's my first experience. Once I accidentally astral projected down our hall, and that was kind of a scary experience. Are you willing to share what was scary about that experience? Uh, Sure. Um, I thought I woke up, but I realized I wasn't actually awake. I was kind of floating. And I was moving rapidly down our hall, and there was another figure that was moving down the hall, someone I didn't recognize, and I felt very scared around this this person. It was a tall man. And I walked through this man, and that scared me so much that all of a sudden I found I was back in my body again. And I knew the whole time that I hadn't fallen asleep because I was aware of my body laying on the bed. But I don't know who this weird person walking in my hall was that I walked through. So it was kind of terrifying for me. I bet. That sounds awful. (laughs) Recently, after learning about astral projection, I thought, well, I'll see if I can try it on my own. And so I was doing some meditation and it was really weird. I felt like I, I looked around and I was floating over a body of water. And I could see the choppiness of the water, but the light was reflecting on the water. And it was really pretty. And I knew instinctively that there was a type of a sailboat. So I went to turn my head to look at the sailboat, but I found myself immediately back in my body. So that was kind of a strange situation also. Other than the one scary experience that you had, would you have described these other experiences as pleasant? Yeah, they were were kind of fun, kind of interesting being able to look around and know that there was no gravity that was pulling you down. There were no restrictions. You could look places that you couldn't normally see. It was just really interesting. It was fun. So we talked about with remote viewing that there had been a lot of studying done on that between organizations such as the Stanford Research Institution, the CIA, the Pentagon, other government agencies. Has there been that type of research into astral projection? I don't think the research has been that extensive, but there have been studies on astral projection. One of the first studies, and one of the largest one, was conducted by philosopher and psychologist Celia Green, where she studied over 400 first-hand accounts of astral projection. There was also some research that was conducted in Switzerland uh, by a man by the name of Dr. Olaf Blink, And uh, he actually found out that he could stimulate a astral projection 
or out-of-body experience by stimulating the right temporal parietal junction of the brain. Maybe, Eric, you could show me where that is on the brain. (laughs) Well, it's in the right temporal parietal (laughs) junction. I actually think that's kind of cool, and that actually brings up a question in my mind. I was reading something the other day about how bioral beats can be used to induce hallucinations and that people are actually using them in some way to get high. I shared that article with you, Jess. Did you read it? Yeah, I found it really interesting, especially since I'd already been doing research into this subject. And I think we'll go over the bioral beats later and explain what it does to your brain. But again, the question is, are these hallucinations or are these real experiences? I'm now wondering if these bioral beats may actually be stimulating this particular part of the brain that this doctor in Switzerland discovered. It's possible. There is also some research done by business executive Robert Monroe used his laboratory at the Monroe Institute to record test subjects who were able to astroproject. Now, one of these test subjects was physicist Tom Campbell, and the other one was engineer David Menerich. Now, here's an excerpt from that study. Quote, Monroe placed Campbell and Menerich in separate soundproof rooms at the same time. Though their voices were recorded, both subjects were unable to hear or speak with each other. Campbell and Minerich only had headphones to allow them to hear Monroe's guided meditation technique that was designed to elicit an out-of-body experience. The results shocked Campbell and Minerich. The undeniable proof that astral projection is real was when there were individual recordings of their voices, which revealed they were talking and literally having a conversation during their astral travels together. Despite being physically located in separate rooms and isolated from each other, End quote. So based on that study, it indicates that astral projection may not be a hallucination, but may be something real. Here is another study that indicates the same thing. This study was performed in 1968 by Dr. Charles Tart, who was professor of psychology at the University of California, Davis. Here is a quote from an article, quote, In 1968, Dr. Charles Tart, professor of psychology at the University of California, Davis, studied an anonymous woman, later named Miss Z, who could supposedly leave her body at will. The study consisted of placing a random number, in this case number 5, on a shelf above the bed in which the woman slept. The woman was tasked with self-inducing an out-of-body experience, checking the number, and then reporting the number to Dr. Tart and his team upon her awakening. The number was chosen after Miss Z had gone to sleep. It was written down and brought to Dr. Tart in an opaque envelope. Dr. Tart remained in the same room as the woman to ensure that she did not get up and check the number during the study. Dr. Tart was stunned when Miss Z woke up from her sleep and correctly stated the number on the shelf. At first, he thought that perhaps the number was reflected on some sort of reflective surface present in the room. However, the only surface reflective object in the room was a clock face. Dr. Tart and his assistants Both lied down on the bed and tried to see whether it was possible to make out the number on the clock face. Both Dr. Tart and his assistant concluded that the number was not visible on the clock face in the dim lighting of the room. Now, if I remember correctly, Jess, this went on for a couple of cycles, correct? 
Yes, this experiment lasted for five days where they continued this process over and over again. Now, the quote that you just gave said that they placed the number five up on the shelf. I read another article about this that said that it was actually a five-digit code. Do you know which one of those is correct? I don't, but it would make more sense that you use a five-digit code than the number five. I mean... Well, it's certainly more impressive if she can come up with a five-digit code and not just the number five, right? Yes. So we paused the podcast here and did a little bit more research on this. And yes, it was a five-digit code. And she was able to pull the entire five-digit code on the fourth out of the fifth night. So yes, that is much more impressive than just picking out a single number five. Okay, Jess, so now it seems like a good time to maybe share some astral projection stories. Yes, I came across a few. Here's one I found on the internet from the Society of Psychical Research. Quote, a Mr. Wilmot from Bridgeport, Connecticut, was sailing on a ship from Liverpool to New York during a terrible storm when he dreamed that his wife walked into his stateroom, kissed him, and then vanished. Wilmot woke up from his dream when his fellow passenger, who was in the same stateroom, reported seeing the same thing that Wilmot had dreamed. When Wilmot's ship landed, he rushed home to his wife and kids in Connecticut. His wife, upon seeing him, asked, Did you see me visit you? She also described in detail the appearance of the stateroom he was in, as well as Wilmot's fellow passenger, whom she saw looking at her. According to Wilmot's wife, she visited him because she felt worried after learning about the terrible storm that beset her husband's ship. End quote. That's a cool story, but uh, don't do that to me. <laughs> now that you said that, I will do that to you. <laughs> no, don't do that to me. When I'm scared, I fight. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm an astral projection, it doesn't do anything if you're fighting me. It's still going to scare me. <laughs> and I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> Here's another one that we found on TikTok. So I had a strange experience, and I'd like to talk about it. I've been able to astral project since I was a small kid, so it's nothing new for me. But this one night, I started to astral project, and my cat was sleeping between my legs. I can see this as I'm floating above myself. Then in the corner of the room, I see this concentrated fog. So I float over to it, and as I'm looking at it, I realize it's kind of like a portal. As I start to peer through it, I see pyramids, like the ones in Egypt. I also start to feel not very good. Like, I am not supposed to be looking at this. The closer I get and the farther I peer my head through, the more I feel like I am not supposed to be here. I back away and I look at my sleeping body. I absolutely wasn't breathing. My cat is looking at my sleeping body with terror in her eyes. I make the decision right then and there to enter my body again. Once I woke up, my cat leaped onto my chest and I didn't breathe properly the rest of the day. And here's one more from TikTok. I actually started astral projecting a couple nights ago, and once I had left my body, I was about four feet off the ground levitating in the air, and I was trying really hard to stand up straight and get my feet planted on the ground, but for some reason I was having the hardest time, and I was even literally trying to body roll out of the air so that I could stand up straight. But I mean, I eventually gave up because I was just floating and floating there forever and I couldn't get my feet on the ground. So I started to lower myself back down into my physical body. And the second that my astral body went back into my physical body, like it was like a snap and I woke up in a completely different place. 
I came to in this really bright white room and specifically it was a white classroom. The entire classroom was empty except for a circle of chairs in the center of the room. And these chairs were like filled with people, at least they looked like people. And I also noticed at the time that I didn't have my astral body with me. So I wasn't able to make decisions on my own. It was almost like I could communicate, speak to other pe beings and people, but I couldn't say, for instance, oh, I'm gonna walk to that side of the room. It was almost like I was on a roller coaster, locked in. I could speak to people, but I couldn't move freely, if that makes sense. These other spirits in the circle, even though I didn't recognize them, they were so familiar to me and I knew I had been there before. And so anyways, this one being looked at me and she goes, so are you finally going to tell us where you're from? And I said, oh yeah, I'm from this place called Earth, like blah, blah, blah. And they all broke out laughing. They're like, oh my God, we've never heard of such a place. We've never heard of that. And I said, yeah, I know, I know, whatever, which was so wild. And then I said, oh, and I just want to let you guys know, next time I come visit you, I want to have my astral body with me so that way I can, you know, freely move around and make my own decisions. When I tell you the room went dead silent, everyone, all the beings in the circle of those chairs looked at one another, simultaneously all stood up at once and swarmed me. So I've just been swarmed by all of these beings. They're on all four sides of me, all simultaneously like having their hands on me, being like, no, no, don't do it. It's so dangerous. Wait, no, don't do it. Blah, 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 blah. They all seemed incredibly paranoid, but for me, astral projecting is a birthright and it's something that I'm going to do throughout my life, you know, to gain knowledge, to connect with spirit. You know, it's a, it's a positive thing if done safely. And I think once those entities or spirits around me understood that, they shifted their tone pretty quick. And once they understood that this was a decision I had already made, they all started simultaneously whispering ingredients into my ears of things that will keep me safe while I astral project. They pushed me out the door and I was back in my physical body. All right, folks, now seems like a good time to go ahead and take a break. So sit back and we will be right back to continue our discussion on astral projection. Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus D. Now come along with us as we explore the most obscure things our universe has to offer. We specialize in helping people make sense of the most bizarre phenomenon you'll ever come across. You'll get all the great topics such as UFOs, cryptids, and psychic phenomenon, but also some stories that are so spectacular, they scare people to believe that they're true. Now take a seat, and welcome to the One Candle Society. But always remember, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. Alright folks, we are back. Let's go ahead and continue our discussion on astral projection. Jess, I'm sure that the top question on everyone's mind is, how do you astral project? Yes, there are actually tons of different techniques for astral projection, but some techniques work better for 
certain people than others. Here are two techniques that seem to be the most popular. This first technique was popularized by Bob Monroa, and he gave a seven-step plan to astral projection in his book called Journeys Out of the Body, and this book came out in 1971. Jess, run through these steps. The first step is to relax, both physically and mentally. Okay, I've already failed. (laughs) (laughs) The second step is to enter a hypnagogic state, or a half-sleep. This is the point where you're about to fall asleep, but you're still technically awake. Step number three is to deepen the state by prioritizing mental sensations over physical sensations. So I think that what they're saying there, Jess, is that you have to kind of stop focusing on your physical body, allowing yourself to simply fall deeper into this meditative state. Do you understand that the same way? That's what I think they're saying. They're saying stop focusing on your body and start focusing on your mind. So here again is where I'm going to fail. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been good at meditation because it's very, very difficult for me to get my brain to shut down and to just be calm. And see, that's interesting. For me, when it comes to meditation, I focus on my physical sensations. I focus on the way my body feels, or the sounds I hear. So it's interesting for me to think about releasing that and focusing on other sensations. All right, so I think we're on to the fourth step. Yes. In the fourth step, you're to pay attention to the presence of vibrations in your environment, which become apparent in a state of deep tension. Now, I've experienced this lots of times. It's almost like a shiver vibration that will go through your entire body. Have you experienced that, Eric? Yeah, I can honestly say that I have experienced that. I would say that I actually kind of experience that as I'm falling asleep frequently. So maybe I'm better at this than I think. Yeah, you may be already doing it, but just don't realize it or getting to the point where you're almost ready to leave your body, but don't. Well, I'm definitely not doing it because (laughs) I know I'm not leaving my body, but... uh, I do seem to maybe be able to get to this vibrational state. The next step, step number five, is to incur the vibration into your physical body and relax into its presence. The purpose of this is to gently jiggle the subtle body out of the physical body. So the vibration actually enters your body and just kind of like vibrates your spirit out? Yes, I suppose. I've never like experienced the jiggling of your body out when I've ever done whenever I've done this, it's just kind of happened, but I have experienced the vibrations into my body. I've experienced that a lot. Yeah, I think that's the part that I've experienced as well. Do you actually bring it into your body or is it just outside of your body? It's I guess the way I would describe it is it's kind of around my body. I just kind of have a general sense of a vibration kind of all the way around me. You also hear a loud noise, don't you? I don't hear a loud noise, but I do have something else that happens, and I don't know that that's associated with this or not. But every once in a while as I'm falling asleep, I have this like bright flash of light that's almost like someone's shined a flashlight in my face. But when I open my eyes, there's nothing or no one there. There is on a few occasions where I have experienced like a very 
loud, overwhelming type of tinnitus, but I wouldn't describe that as like the same as the vibrational feeling that I sometimes experience. Jess, do you experience that bright light thing too, or is that just something I'm experiencing? I think that's just you. (laughs) Actually, a lot of people may experience, I don't know. I don't experience it though. All right. So if you guys experience a bright light in your sleep with your eyes closed in the dark, like someone is shining a flashlight in your face, please let me know. I want to know if I'm weird or not. (laughs) (laughs) I hope I'm not alone in this. Now, I know this has nothing to do with astral projection, but I did recently hear another podcast that was talking about people experiencing something similar to this, you know, the bright light phenomenon. And uh, they suggested that it might be the matrix being downloaded into our brain. Ooh, creepy. So maybe I just need more downloads than you. (laughs) Maybe I'm satisfied with the downloads I have. All right, so I think we are to step six. Yes. Step six, focus your thoughts on leaving the limbs and torso. And try to do so one at a time. So I guess that would be thinking about your arm leaving your body and your spirit leg leaving your body one at a time. And finally, we get to step seven, which is known as lifting out. Focus on effortlessly drifting out of your physical body. This is something that I haven't experienced. Whenever I do this, it's just happened. But if you're going to try to make it happen, you would focus on lifting your spirit out of your body. Some people say that this happens for them easier if they roll sideways out of their body. So There's different ways that people do this, but it's called lifting out. All right. I think I'm going to stay in place. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might like the second technique better. Why don't you talk to us about the second technique of leaving your body through astral projection? All right, so this technique has been popularized by Robert Bruce, and he is the founder of the Astral Dynamics Movement. And this technique is called the Rope Technique, and some people consider this the easiest of all the techniques. So let's see if it is better for me. This technique has six instead of seven steps. So the first step in this technique is to relax the physical body by visualizing each muscle. That's pretty much what I do each night when I try to relax before going to sleep. So for me, that would be easier. Yeah, this is actually a sleep technique that was derived by the military to help soldiers sleep in the field, where they visualize each muscle, they flex it, and then they relax it, and then through that process, they're able to fall asleep faster and under more stressful situations. So this is, I guess, a separate thought, but wouldn't it be interesting if they had soldiers that actually astral projected while they slept. So they're walking around, still being vigilant while they're sleeping. Well, that sounds a little bit of like the monk story that you told me. Yeah, I read an article about Tibetan monks who they wanted to accomplish more in a day. So while they were sleeping or meditating at night, they would astral project at night and do mental tasks that they were not able to accomplish during the day. That sounds awful. (laughs) It almost does, doesn't it? Like you're working even while you're sleeping. 
I've had dreams where I've been at work in my dream and those are nightmares. I yeah. do not want to be experiencing my work while I'm sleeping. It doesn't seem restful, but I'm sure that they're pretty adept at being restful in their sleep, even while they're projecting. Cool, but uh, wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> All right. So what's the second step? So the second step is to go from this relaxation state to a vibrational state. This should feel like an amplified version of a cell phone's vibration mode, pulsing, coursing through the body. That's pretty close description of what I experience. Yeah, me too. Step three is to imagine a rope hanging above you. When I try to do this technique, this is where I get stopped. For some reason, I can't. I can imagine the rope, but I can't see it in my mind's eye. <laughs> it's funny because in my mind, I can't shut my mind off when I'm like, Oh, is the rope itchy and scratchy like the ones you have in PE? Am I supposed to try to climb that? I could never climb that in PE. And so then I'm, I say, okay, I'm going to imagine a rope that's silky and smooth. And then I'm like, well, is it, are my hands going to slip off of it? <laughs> I just can't seem to get the image of the rope right in my mind. So you've just got to tackle your rope imagery before you try to tackle astral projection again. Exactly. <laughs> All right, step four. While remaining in a complete state of relaxation, imagine the astral or the subtle body attempting to grab hold of and hold onto the rope with both hands. Step five is to begin to climb the rope. Yeah, you'll want to visualize a hand over hand approach while visualizing seeing the ceiling above you and getting closer to it. At this point, you should be aware that you're fully exited from your physical body. And that is part six. Explore the astral plane. This seems so easy when you say it like that. Just be aware that you're out of your body and that you can explore the astral plane. But for a lot of people, this takes months of practice and doing it over and over and over again. And at first, it will be a very small step out of your body and you'll come right back to it. So it'll be over and over again practicing this before it actually happens right. Yes, but like remote viewing, this is something that people are able to perfect over time. Yes, almost anyone can do this. So go do it. <laughs> or not, if you don't think it's safe. <laughs> it's up to you. But there are certain things that make this easier to accomplish or enhance the experience. And one of those things is binaural beats. So we mentioned this briefly earlier, but uh, Jess, what is a binaural beat? It's basically when you're listening to two different frequencies of sound in two separate ears. So this is something that can only be done using headphones or earbuds. You have to have two different beats, one in each ear. And the slight difference in these beats actually creates a sort of auditory illusion by making the two frequencies sound ever so slightly different. Maybe you can explain how the theory behind this works. No, I can't. You can try. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in its most simplest form, which is where I typically understand things, our brain works on electrical impulses and signals. These can be recorded on devices such as an EEG, 
And our brain waves come in as many as five different categories. But when it comes to binaural beats and astral projection, we're really only concerned about two of these waves, and that is the delta waves and the theta waves. Delta waves are slow and loud and have a frequency of around 0.5 to 3 hertz and are found to be active during periods of deep meditation, dreamless sleep, and self-healing. Theta waves are found in a frequency of around 308 hertz. These waves are related to meditation, intuition, creativity, the subconsciousness, dreaming, and spatial navigation. And binaural beats introduce these waves into our brain to stimulate these delta and these theta waves, which in theory can efficiently and maybe even effectively enhance or decrease our emotions and our other functions. So, beats equal waves, waves equal brain activity, and brain activity equals emotion and feeling, which can enhance astral projection. Yes. So if you're trying to astral project, binaural beats can increase your ability to do this. Some people believe that it actually induces astral projection, but that's not the case. They help your brain do what your brain is already going to do by making the signal stronger. Now, I am not a neurologist, and Jess is not a neurologist, so that is the best explanation you're going to get from us. Yeah, that's, that's how much we understand. There's probably so much more that goes into this, but that's the dumbed-down version. One thing I did find interesting, though, Jess, was the story that you told me about the ancient yogis and the frogs. Yes. So ancient yogis would actually tie two frogs together before they went to sleep, and the frogs would continuously croak at two different frequencies, and this would actually anchor an awareness in the yogis and help them to leave their body as they were sleeping. So if you cannot afford a pair of earphones or earbuds, go out and get yourself a couple of frogs. <laughs> that was our dog. She loves frogs, so maybe we'll get her to get us some. Just do you know if it takes a certain type of frog? That I don't know. We'll have to research that a little more. Well, probably a frog that can only be found in India since it was ancient yogis, right? Yeah, probably. Maybe we can find a pair of crickets and tie them together and see what happens. <laughs> I know what will happen. It will keep me awake all <laughs> night long. Now, another way to enhance astral projection is through chemicals, and we would definitely not recommend this route. Now, when I first learned about this, I thought, well, we're talking psychedelic chemicals. No, we're talking about nicotine. Well, nicotine is an addictive chemical, Jess. It is, but it doesn't normally produce hallucinations, but it can enhance astral projection. You know how people who are trying to stop smoking get the nicotine patches? What is one of the common side effects? Uh, I think like really bizarre dreams or really like strange dreams. Yes, very vivid dreams. Well, apparently it can cause astral projection and some claim that these dreams are actually out-of-body experiences. So we do not recommend using addictive substances like nicotine to induce out-of-body experiences, but it has been shown to work. Yeah, so if you're a smoker and uh, you find that uh, smoking increases your ability to astral project, leave a comment. We would uh, love to hear that type of story. 
So as far as benefits of astral projection, Jess, one benefit that I've heard of is that uh, it can help people to overcome fear of things like death. Yeah, if you are open to the idea that your body is just a body and your spirit is connected to your body but lives on even after your body is dead, then it helps people who may be facing death not be so scared of it. I believe that there are also certain people who claim that astral projection actually helps them to heal their bodies. Yes, our minds can be kind of tough on our physical bodies. When we think negative thoughts and releasing the mind from your body can actually help your body heal and also being in that meditative state can help your body heal. Could this potentially help people with depression or anxieties or other things like that? Yes, it could help people with mental illnesses, but also physical illnesses as we learn to release some of the tensions and stress through the meditation and through releasing our spirit from your body. Yeah, any time that we are meditating or rejuvenating our bodies, I can see that that would have benefit. All right, folks, that is all that we have on astral projection. If you have experience with this and you would like to contact us, we would certainly love to hear your experiences and your stories. If you decide to give this a try as a result of this episode, we would love to hear about those experiences as well. Jess, is there anything else you want to add? Yes. Sometimes when we record, it is hilarious because we make so many mistakes. If you ever want to hear those recordings, let us know and maybe we'll make a reel of bloopers at the end. But we got to find out if that's what you want. Trust me, folks. What you get compared to what we give is highly edited. (laughs) (laughs) We just spent the last five minutes laughing over a mistake that one of us made. I won't say which one of us. (laughs) But astral projection sounds a whole lot like... uh, Something else. Something else. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks, that is going to do it for us. We will see you next time. All right, folks, that is the end of this episode. We want to thank you for joining us and let you know that we appreciate you listening. If you have enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing through your favorite podcast player. You can also find us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you would like to share an experience, be on the show, or submit a story, you can do that through our email at prairielandparanormalpodcast at gmail.com or through our website at www.prairielandparanormalpodcast.com. So, until next time, remember, don't be normal if you can be paranormal.